0: Yeah, hi, Ed. Hi, John. Good morning. How are you doing? <laughs> doing all right. Man. 7 a.m.
1: here on the West Coast. I uh, I called you Eddie when we first got on the call, and I suddenly remembered. I could not understand why I was calling you Eddie because I've never called you Eddie before, but then I realized the last few times I've seen you in in life, um, we were going to, uh, you know, if we were waiting for a table at a restaurant or if you had called ahead for some reason, you had to give your name. You'd always say Eddie.
0: Yeah, I do. I usually introduce myself to new people as Eddie.
1: So when did this start and and why?
0: I realized a few years ago um, that all my life I've been repeating my name over and over when I first say it. Because something to do with my accent or just the way I talk. (laughs) When I say Ed, they say Carl, Bill, Norm, (laughs) Like, so for some reason, Ed is not audible, the way I say it. It's a short, it's monosyllabic. Uh, maybe it's overly aspirated. I don't know why. But then I, I got tired of that. And so I, I tried Eddie, and I've never had anybody question whether I had just said my name or some other name or some other word entirely.
1: Well, I'm so Ed. Eddie. So this is this has been a success.
0: It's been a success as far as like ordering tacos and, or or you know going to fine dining, or introducing or talking to people um, uh, more more quickly at a party. Um, but I don't think I go by it. I think Eddie is is uh, um, just the entrance to the cave, and then it's Ed the rest of the way in.
1: <laughs> so um, so then what's Edward?
0: The only person who calls me Edward is my cousin, Heidi, in Dodge City, when she's upset with me. (laughs) Edward.
1: (laughs) Edward.
0: Edward. Edward, quit lying. Oh, is that something you do with Heidi? You lie to her? Why would you lie to Heidi? I wouldn't lie to Heidi, but I might lie when she's around and then she calls me on it. When we're twelve. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. During the years when we're twelve years old or so.
1: <laughs> remember how fun when I went, I remember went. How fun cousins were when you were twelve?
0: Heidi's always been fun. So I grew up with five I have four brothers and then five girl cousins who lived across the alley. Yeah. Who are all about the same each is about the same age as one of the brothers. So Heidi is my consonant cousin. Um, So we were in school from first grade, uh, up and then we went to the same college as well. So we were in school all the way through.
1: It's nice having a a cousin at college. I didn't.
0: It was good. Uh, She's the closest thing I have to a a sister. She's very sisterly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our college experiences were divergent because she went into a sorority.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, which was demanding of her time. Yeah. She said, "I'm really busy. Look. <laughs> 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 Me and my sorority sisters would love to hang out with you and your weirdo friends, but we're, we have our schedule is really is really a bear. <laughs> <laughs> what with mixers and a healthy social life. We can't. We can't be seen with you, weird-haired fools. Were
1: you weird-haired in college?
0: I had a mohawk my freshman Did year. Did you? For part there of it. Are there photos of this? There was one photo which was of me, uh, not only with my mohawk um, in you know spiked up, but uh, and long. Uh, but I was also trying to get the last little bit out of uh, the bottom of a jar of peanut butter. <laughs> the same time so my body is sort of curling around like an alien um, and it's not flattering Mm -hmm. Uh, and I I haven't seen that photo it hasn't surfaced for some time
1: well we're gonna we're gonna find it that's what we're gonna do
0: yeah Yeah. It's a good freshman year haircut I recommend it
1: (laughs) I think I had pretty pretty long hair not my freshman year I was too too conservative when I got to college I, I would actually I would actually blow dry my hair and uh, um, and then by the time I was a senior, I had pretty long hair, uh, and then I started to lose it very quickly. The long hair yeah. wasn't working for me, like, but in my mid by my mid twenties, it was already looking looking pretty bad.
0: Like your hair was blow dried like uh, the guy from Quantum Leap. Like, uh, let me see, fabulously. Oh, fabulously it was definitely blow-dried.
1: fabulous. Um, Scott Bakula, I think. Scott Bacula? B A K K.
0: That's who I think of when I think of men with blood with hair no, that's no, been just blown dry. Just the
1: one, uh, just the one K. Let's see. Um, yeah, I think that's you know that's kind of what I was after. Um, yeah, I wasn't wasn't achieving it.
0: Parted on the side or right down the
1: middle. Uh, it was parted. Well, I tried the middle in when I was an adolescent, and it did not work. I would have I had this terrible cowlick, so that. One side would look fairly fairly normal, and the other would arch way up above my head and come back down, almost as if I were wearing like a beautiful fountain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever metaphor I was about to come up with, that one's better.
0: I'm sorry, I stepped on. No,
1: you. no, that's what you're here for.
0: Oh, it's your hair, after all.
1: Yeah, it is my hair, but uh, and it it would look your hair. Your
0: metaphors as the Dutch say. I
1: I am so envious of these dudes. Uh, who have a lot of hair um well into gray like i would i would definitely wouldn't mind having much grayer hair and more of it having a big mane mm-hmm. of gray hair i think is super cool um not that i'm particularly self-conscious about my baldness cuz i i've accentuated it by keeping my haircut very short but um but uh
0: like a lion in a black and white and yeah. yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, uh, hey! Uh,
1: Merry Christmas and happy New Year.
0: Merry Christmas, happy New Year to you. Feliz Navidad, y prospera anos, felicidad. Uh, I love when you talk Did from... you? Did you, uh, you? You weathered the uh, the holiday, the first of the holiday storms, mostly by not traveling, I suppose. Right? I didn't
1: even know there. It's not
0: that much of an ordeal. Yeah,
1: there were no holiday storms for us. You no, know, the holidays itself is oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. It, it, we didn't travel. Um, I ended up getting pretty stressed out. We we had a um, we had a bit of a, a crisis a couple of days before Christmas when um, I guess I had been busy uh, first with school, uh, then with yeah. uh, some dead some like ready deadlines, and then with uh, getting rock and roll, rock and roll, go, getting Okie Panky ready for launch. Uh, and then Rock and Roll. Uh, I played a show in Philly with, I think, like Midnight, this, this band with my friends Andrew and Dean and Josh. And it was great fun. I, I you know, they scheduled another gig for February, and I've told them I'm out. Because I just can't. I can't be in abandoned Philly. That said...
0: it's It sounds great, oh. though. I listened to what was available online, and I'll get the record. Oh, good. Uh, but... Um, very fun it's a
1: good record uh i'm i yeah. i i'm mostly impressed with andrew and dean who who sort of made it made it come together i just had i just had the tape rolling and played some synths but i you know i i came up with keyboard parts for every song and pl- i became the keyboardist um oh that reminds me i'm i am getting the, the christmas crisis but I, i'm i'm gonna fill this in fill this uh fill this uh box in first um we we came up with I think it was Dean who came up with it. Dean has a sampler. Dean is the drummer, but he has a he's a he he's a keyboard hobbyist as well and guitarist. But he he brought a sampler, a sampling keyboard to practice. And there's one song called Block Captain, which has a lot of mechanical sound effects in it that Andrew found various places. And Dean um took the initiative and Loaded all of these mechanical sounds onto the top third of the keyboard so and then he put it next to my main keyboard and I could just trigger the mechanical sounds during that song um which is great it's it's a big it's a big part of the character of the song and I'm glad that we're able to render it live so we were practicing with this sampler for a couple of days and then we realized that the rest of the keyboard had no sounds on it so ah. so we made a um what was I calling it? The I was calling it the greed-o-tron. Uh The Greetotron. Which is uh, all the white keys were stock rock band banter phrases. Like, how y'all doing Come tonight? On. All the girls sure look pretty.
0: I heard some of y'all like the taste of alcohol.
1: <laughs> That's right. One of them was, uh, be sure to tip the bar. One of them was, but we would leave each sentence open at the end we'd say here in and then the black keys were cities so and they, we each did several of them so our different voices would say like Scranton Philadelphia the Hague Antwerp and so I was I would we had these breaks in the show um, where Andrew would have to switch guitars and during these breaks I would you know I would trigger these things so I think it was very charming and funny and I have to say it was better tended And more fun than almost any rock show I've ever played. I felt like a total rock star. It was great. And then I said, I'm not going to do it anymore.
0: (laughs) So anyway, that... With some reluctance. With with reluctance. Yeah, with a
1: a great deal of reluctance. But um, I've been traveling too much, and I just feel that I'm overextended. And I want to concentrate on the magazine now that we're about to launch it. Um, And on my own band, who I hope will be reuniting uh, for one more semester of... Of music, but anyway, so all these things conspired to for me to be in denial about the imminent arrival of Christmas, and I had it in my head that the shopping was all done because about a month before I had bought each family member their sort of big gift, the one that they'd be most excited about. And um, I guess I kind of thought of myself as finished at that point, and then um, two days before Christmas. I said to Rian, so what, what did you get the kids? And she's like, I thought you got them all. And then we like took stock and realized we had barely bought any Christmas presents and we had to go out and do some shopping. Um, and we had passed the, we, had, we were past the time when Amazon prime could deliver things. So we actually had to go out into the physical world and shop Mm-hmm. and you don't like every other show yeah up. you don't want to have to do that anyway it was actually okay but I, I made it I made um uh, and um, we found the stuff that the kids wanted and that each other wanted and it wasn't like an obscene haul of presents but uh, we had a lovely day as we always do so I, I there's nothing to complain about but in retrospect I just you know I just stressed myself out too much I thought I was going to have an anxiety free Christmas and I blew it I should have
0: yeah no one gets an anxiety-free Christmas job.
1: No, I guess not.
0: It's more more of a measure than anyone is, is allotted.
1: <laughs> what, uh, how was yours? What did you do?
0: Uh, we went down to Portland, Oregon yeah. for the week. Had a delightful time. Um, Oscar uh, got lots of stuffed animals and books and puzzles. I got uh, um, a, a little, a little uh, fingertip uh, ratchet set. Oh, <laughs> For, tight, for tightening, um, uh, mainly for tightening the head on, on my banjo. Yeah. But I think it'll have many other uses as well. Good. Um, and I well, mean my, my father-in-law worked on my banjo because it had been not sounding good. Um, and uh, made lots of little adjustments in his workshop. And one of them that we realized was that the head was loose. Mm-hmm. And so he had a little fingertip ratchet set, which is great joy to use. Yeah you just you feel the tension well, uh, what is you know, the fin- it takes the guesswork out of what's
1: it. what's a fingertip ratchet set
0: it's a instead of having a, a ratchet you know you fit fit the ratchets on a um, on a tool on like it with an arm mm-hmm. that you sort of are wrenching around um, without a lot of necessarily feeling for how tight things are just sort of get get it to how tight it can be yeah. the fingertip ratchet set you're it's it's on a little spool or a little Spindle oh, yeah. I'm looking at little it now. Disc, I see it. A little disc with, uh, uh, that's uh, uh, kind of graduated on the, the edges, and then you can. Um, oh, this is you can, nice. You can tumble it. It's
1: knurled. Kind of, and
0: really feel, it's
1: knurled on the edge
0: with, there. Is that the term for it? Yeah. Like a quarter, but Skyped also to, at an angle as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you can really feel the, 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 the tension much more delicately nice. as you're adjusting it. Which is important when you're trying to get it to a uh, to a tune, trying to tune the head, you know, right. to a D, you know, uh, and it made a huge difference on how the banjo sounds, as of course it would, because it was not a tight head, right? Uh, so it sounded very potty. Uh,
1: so it sounds um, good now.
0: Sounds good now. Had- now, now the only flaws are mine instead of the. The instruments. Oh, Eddie! And they are those are considerable. but At least I know what those are don't be down and can work on, around. Don't be down. on Well, I mean, I've you know spent a lot of years playing this instrument, yeah. and I know that I'm I know I, I know how good I am, which is not. I mean, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a good amateur banjo player, um, but with the banjo sounding bad, I was really sounding. I was getting a lot of skunk-eye a lot at my Monday night (laughs) jam session. I was not being given solos. I was being disregarded the way that I sometimes disregard people. (laughs) Yeah. I was not in the elite of the circle.
1: No, I can imagine you wouldn't be with a plonky banjo like
0: that. Um, I was thinking that my my free beer privileges were going to be taken (laughs) away from me.
1: Well, the um, the fingertip ratchet set looks like a wonderful innovation. I didn't know it existed, and it's something that I could definitely use. So maybe I will someday.
0: I recommend it to all tinkerers. Yeah, excellent. Yeah.
1: So um, it's
0: going in the bin. Bay- uh, aside from that, Christmas was was uh, was was nice. Last Christmas, everyone we were in Kansas, and everyone got terrible uh, gastrointestinal flu. Mm, I remember that. And it was cold. This was a pleasant Christmas. Everyone was healthy uh, until the last day, uh, which I'll talk about. <laughs> and then uh, uh, we ate—you know, ate pleasantly, pleasant chatting. I was able to go out and see some Portland poet friends um, a couple of evenings. Good. So,
1: Would you eat? Would right. you eat? Would you eat?
0: Well, we had uh, the only things I prepared. I made a date pudding for Christmas dinner, Christmas Eve dinner. Um, date pudding is an amazing food. Even I, this was not a very good one because I, I cooked it in a uh, a dish that was too high, and so it it rose. I had to cook it too long, so it ended up like a gingerbread cake. Uh, but nobody was complaining about the gingerbread cake. Oh,
1: all right. Uh, even though
0: it's supposed to be more of a date pudding.
1: I'm uh, I'm I i am i do not know date pudding, so I'm I'm looking up recipes here on Epicurious.
0: I, I became aware of the date pudding from a, uh, the Cochineal restaurant in Marfa. Yeah. Uh, where there's a, a, a semi-retired New York chef who all he makes is date pudding for dessert at the restaurant mm-hmm. Coast Cochineal. Yeah. Toshi, I believe his name is. And it is it is one of the great one of the few perfect things on earth is the date pudding at Cochineal restaurant. Nice. And But I think anyone can make a date pudding yeah, it looks, that is delicious. It looks pretty simple. Without much effort. Yeah. The weird thing is you, you chop up the dates, and you put them in water, boil them for, simmer them for about five minutes, and then you put in a couple of te- teaspoons of baking soda. Yeah. And it does one of those baking soda things. creates kind of a little volcano. Yeah. guess uh, something very vinegary or acidic. I don't understand the chemical thing that happens. I know that baking soda is base think whatever the reaction is, um, it becomes very foamy. You let it sit for 20 minutes, sort of erupting. And then you add it to some conventional. Baking things and bake it and uh, make a nice sauce. It's very good. Excellent. Date pudding. Excellent.
1: So the flavor was good, but it's it seemed it was too cakey.
0: Too cakey, but still nice. Yeah. Still, it was still a nice cake. And there was a lot of other fine desserts. Uh, And then for Christmas supper, we made uh, our um, honey glazed tarragon carrots, Mm. which we poached from a Commander's Palace cookbook, Uh, which uh, people who don't like carrots don't mind these carrots. Oh, really? People who like carrots already really like these carrots. People who are really connoisseurs of the carrot, I think, dismiss this, but no one is a connoisseur of the carrot, so <laughs> it, no one turns away from this. Tarragon is unusual at at uh, most dinner tables, and so it's uh, uh, it, it stands out. Mm-hmm. It's a nice dish, easy to
1: make. Uh, you got a? Um, is it anywhere on the uh, internet? Can we share it? Can we share it with the people?
0: Yeah, I have I have found it before. All right. <laughs>
1: While you're looking for it, I'll I'll will uh, say what I made yesterday.
0: Um, sorry, uh, that was me. I was setting the mic on
1: a uh, on a. Uh, that's fine, but I, I there was a strange noise
0: um, behind me, and I turned around, and that's a chupacabra, <laughs> a chupacabra <laughs> that was creeping up on you. And then when you turned around, it. Freak out
1: and <laughs> went away. Uh, so last night, last night I made uh, chicken and waffles. And yeah, really, yeah. And I hadn't ever been served chicken and waffles in a restaurant. I don't really know what it's supposed to be. And I was going to look it up on the internet, but I decided no. I've got a vision of what chicken and waffles might be, and I'm just going to make it. So I made uh, some cornmeal waffles uh in the uh, waffle maker and then uh yeah. took some uh, ch- uh chicken thighs uh boneless chicken thighs uh, dredged them in a mixture of um flour, salt and uh this stuff called uh F- Cajun foreplay by yeah. Dinosaur barbecue. I've talked about Dinosaur barbecue um I think here on this podcast uh it's it's uh, based in i think syracuse and there's one in rochester and i think there's one in new york city now um but they have uh i'm looking it up they have a a line of products and they have this stuff called cajun foreplay spice rub that's their, you know it's a dry spice blend that i use for a lot of different things i'll uh, put it in the show notes and um uh so mixed mixed this oh an extra cornmeal and I dredged the chicken in this stuff and then I sort of dry fried it super hot in a cast iron skillet um then kept it warm in the oven while I cooked up some uh, greens and garlic and I made a sauce maple garlic sauce with a little uh, chicken stock Maple and, garlic sauce yeah uh, a little chicken stock um little flour little maple syrup, some uh, some sautéed garlic chunks,
0: and it turned out okay, I think.
1: Good. Yeah, I don't know if it's the way it was supposed to be, but
0: um, I don't know. The other shoe is at some point when you are out at some restaurant, you order chicken and waffles. You'll see how, how near or far you were from your imagination.
1: Right. Well, I probably will do that pretty soon. Okay, hold on. I gotta look at your message here. Here, you sent me a link, and it is the glazed carrots, honey, yeah, honey glazed on carrots. This is good. This is really good.
0: It's a good. That that's the recipe the, from the the book is Commander's Kitchen, which is a cookbook of Commander's Palace from the early nineties. That uh, my friend Laura Grosbeck was the food stylist for. Oh,
1: really? You took me to lunch there. Uh, We've talked about it before. One of my favorite lunches of all time. And,
0: it's a great lunch yeah any meal you have at commander's is is, uh, is gonna be marked in your favor at food heaven yeah yeah. they'll say how many times did you go to commander's palace and if it's in single digits uh, they'll they'll really they'll usher you in um, if it's uh, double digits you're already there oh, oh,
1: oh very good <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, we, ate well, I had been on this weird, I, when I went to Port Townsend, I, I got the flu or something. I didn't, and I really lost my appetite so for two weeks, <laughs> for two weeks leading up to Christmas. All I ate, um, was, uh, yogurt maybe with a little bit of honey mm-hmm. and sauerkraut
1: at the, at like together
0: for two, for two weeks. No, no. Like, uh, to, like yogurt in the morning and then sauerkraut in the afternoon. And then I wouldn't eat in the evening. Gosh, I lost 15 pounds.
1: Wow, it's
0: great. And then uh, got to Christmas, and there were cookies everywhere, yeah. and it all went to hell. Yeah, I, but, uh, I'm back, on. but also my appetite was back. I mean, that was fine because I really wasn't. I wasn't trying to reduce. I was just I didn't want to eat anything, and that seemed like if you're not going to eat anything, those those are a couple of things that you can eat that will sustain you. Yeah, and not cause a lot of trouble. Yogurt, <laughs> plain yogurt. Maybe with a little honey, maybe some crushed walnuts and uh, sauerkraut. I ate a lot of sauerkraut. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so good. This sounds like a. Um, you could maybe stretch this into a diet book.
0: <laughs> yeah. What would you call it though? You wouldn't want to call it the yogurt and sauerkraut diet. Uh,
1: well, I, you know, that's the that's the. Oak.
0: You, would, you would call it you would call it like the uh, the Montreal diet. <laughs> Grand Cayman's diet. The Ibiza diet. <laughs> <laughs> we give it a place name.
1: It's never it's never like a it's always a it's always a a, a place of leisure, the diet plans. It's never a place of yeah. never a place of work.
0: No, it's not really the Rochester diet. <laughs>
1: no, no, it's
0: not. Or the the, uh, the Iron Range diet. <laughs> yeah the chilean Mind disaster <laughs> diet yeah all right i a common desert diet
1: oh so uh, yeah. i'm waiting for the um waiting for the mailman because because um, i i uh was uh i have this uh, this guitar you might be yeah, remember this Fender Mustang from the '60s. Specifically, the, the on, on Fender guitars, the heel of the neck—if you take off the neck—it's stamped the date that it was made is stamped on there, and it says eight November nineteen sixty-five. And this guitar has always been kind of a shit show. It—it's been when I bought it for one hundred and eighty bucks in the '90s, it was it had been uh, cruelly modified uh, and, and yeah. rendered crummy. Uh, and so over the years, this is the guitar that I sold to Sasha Perrin but forgot I sold it to him. And then later at, at our friend's wedding, uh, he said, hey, you want that guitar back? And I had thought it was lost. I, of course, regretted selling it. Um, and uh, he sold it back to me for the same price. And, and then I I revised it a couple of times, just shoving whatever parts I had around the, around the house on there. And I always had the back of my head I should sort of restore it to its you know the way it must have been in the 60s when when it was made so i
0: cuz its factory mates are are fant- it was it was a fine guitar before it came into your hands before it was yeah yeah when it truly uh, abused it was probably a fantastic fantastic
1: well guitar. it was probably fine well probably better than fine it was oh. you know it was a it was a it was their discount model you know it was introduced uh. so that people who couldn't afford a stratocaster or a telecaster could have a fender guitar um but then Kurt Cobain used one in the '90s, and it became uh, became popular again. So, um,
0: a lot of a lot of psychedelic rockers have used the Mustang.
1: Yeah, I think, and the other um, the other uh, uh, le- I was going to say lesser, but less popular offenders like the Jazzmaster and the Jaguar are also psychedelic rock and surf rock, and so on. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I think the Mustang has some integrity. I wanted to. You know, I think I, I I I thought one of these days I should make it more stock. I should you know put in, get get it back to its original state. And then I was looking for something else on eBay, and I came across the pickups and pick guard for this guitar, marked November nineteen sixty five. What? Yeah. So I you know I sprung for it and uh, decided to refinish the guitar. I. I Sanded down the the headstock. I put a new new coat of varnish on it, and then put new decals on it. And um, uh, the the pickups are coming today, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put it all back together. Clean the tuners. I had the tuners weren't working yeah. um, back in the day, but it turns out they just need to be cleaned. So I took them apart and dunk. Yeah, I could uh-huh. put them in lighter fluid and toothbrushed them off and relubricated them and lighter fluid. Yeah. You don't set it on fire. You you just use it to clean. Oh, you I know. see. Uh, so, you could do. But anyway, and they're in a vulnerable state. So the mailman is gonna, supposed to bring this thing, or the mail lady. I think most of our carriers are, are have been women the past few years. Um, but I had just, as uh, you know, in the day, the past few days when I when I knew that I was gonna I was gonna get this thing in the mail, I read this article. There was a there was a list um, of this website, the Morning News. And they posted the their ten favorite essays that they published in two thousand fourteen. One of them was Alice Boland's, which is why I went to this oh, very good. went to this list.
0: Which uh which essay?
1: Um hers? I can't remember actually. One of them. But yeah. um but I started papering all the you know, the other ones to read them to read them later. And I read this one called Blues on Wheels by Jess Stoner. Do you know Jess Stoner? She's they assume she's a woman, maybe not. It doesn't it doesn't say in the um uh it doesn't say here in the um in the article. But anyway, um I'll call her she. Uh she's wrote a book called I Have Blinded Myself Writing This, which I have haven't uh, clicked on, but now I have. Um oh yeah, it's a. it's a um I Blinded Myself Writing This it has a nice cover. It's a it's a mock up of a mead uh marble cover notebook. Nice. Anyway. Nice. She wrote about uh this this article Blues on Wheels is about how she became a uh, CCA or city carrier assistant for the United States Postal Service. And this is basically the postal service has done what uh in in uh, times of scarcity universities do, they they make adjuncts teach all the classes and they don't hire on the tenure track anymore. Um and that's right. effectively what she was. She was a permanent adjunct. And man, She got treated really badly. Shocking. Really badly. They just, she got screamed at every day. At one point, she got bit by a dog, and um, she got, uh, everyone said she was going to be fired for it, because if you're bit by a dog, that means you're incompetent, and you're not supposed to file any kind of claim, and you're supposed to work off the clock. And you got to deliver on Sundays now because the Postal Service has this deal with Amazon where if you get an Amazon Prime package, it can be delivered on Sunday. Not here in Ithaca, but apparently out in the world this is possible. Um, Man, it's horrifying. So she says at the end, um, here's my advice to you, receiver of mail. Continue giving your letter carriers a Christmas bonus. They won't share it with the CCA who covers their route each week on their days off, but still do it. Leave waters and Gatorades and homemade cookies. A burst of sugar at the end of the route can go a long way near your mailbox. Um, I realize I never... I don't give my mail carrier a Christmas bonus. I never have done that. I So I'm going to start doing that today. After the podcast, I'm going to go down to the supermarket and get a little snack and then put some...
0: Yeah. Tie it to a little copy of your book. No. No. On the subject. (laughs) Your own
1: own book is the worst
0: gift in the world. (laughs) No, but if it's specifically about mailmen. Oh, yeah. Mailmen. (laughs) No, not not your most recent work, John. (laughs) The one that... The very large book about the mail carrier uh, yeah, yeah. profession.
1: You know, the, the other day I was telling this. I was telling
0: <laughs> would be the most appropriate. I would. Think. I
1: was telling Rian this anecdote. Um, I saw that something gave me to remember the, uh this experience I had in second grade, where we were going to put on a play, but it was way too complicated, and it was clearly going to be an utter failure. There's just nothing was working out. We couldn't remember our lines. We couldn't even remember our names, um, and. Uh, So it was clear the second grade teachers, they had, they had worked themselves into a corner they couldn't get out of, and um, they were just looking for an excuse to cancel the whole thing. And during recess, someone inadvertently threw a Frisbee over the fence into somebody's yard, and um, we got uh, dressed down for this, and as punishment, they, were, they said, we're going to cancel the play. And um and I was saying to Rian, man, I'm still mad about this. Because it was obviously self-serving. They were going to cancel it no matter what. Yeah. They just decided to find a way to blame us for it. And then Rian looks at me yeah. and says, you're telling me this as though you didn't put this anecdote in Mailman. <laughs> uh, and I said, what? <laughs> I did? <laughs> so apparently it's in
0: Mailman. I still don't remember putting yeah, it in. It is. Yeah. It's one of Albert's many grudges against the world, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got a migraine. Right now? The last day of Christmas. Oh. The last day of Christmas oh, vacation. Oh, this
1: is the illness you alluded to.
0: I've never had one before. I am not one who has migraines.
1: How do you know fact, it's a migraine headache, then?
0: Well, the headache was mild, but it was there. I but I went through the the aura thing. Oh God! So pre- preceding a migraine attack, a number of different things can happen, and one of them is your vision gets weird, and it got weird. Like I was, it was the, a few mornings ago. Uh, I was sitting, sort of getting ready to go. Jill had run was out with some errand. I was watching Oscar sitting in uh, a nice nice IKEA chair at the grandparents. <laughs> I was looking at at the window, at uh, you know some pine trees that were kind of moving in the wind, and it just looked a little odd. Um, uh, it struck me that it looked very odd. Yeah. There's something about the the distance and the the, the shape and the the movement through the window uh, being sort of at odds with the static nature of the inside of the house, but then parts. Of the inside of the house, were also moving. Whoa! Kind of in a swing a swaying like at the periphery of like my left eye, um, was sort of a similar swaying motion that was happening just in like the the wood and the furniture stuff. And I just thought it was. I'm gonna. You know, I, I have glasses. I'm kind of new to wearing glasses, and the, the pair I'm wearing were some Morby Parker glasses. were kind of scratched up, scratched up a little too easily. I got to say.
1: Yeah.
0: And so I was just sort of fiddling with my glasses and just wrote it off as part of as glasses weirdness and then I went out on the porch and I was watching Oscar who was playing and the shimmering on the periphery particularly on the left side um, became really much more pronounced and even if I closed my left eye it was still sort of my right eye was still seeing a shimmering on, on that periphery Yeah. so it wasn't just the eye it was clear that it wasn't just like something that was going on with my eyes which is the fact of the migraine it's, it's something that's happening in your brain um, and it became really intense after a few minutes. It only lasted about ten minutes. So this you you had um,
1: had no pain up to this point.
0: I'm having no pain at the moment. Like with the the, the things I'm seeing are causing no pain. Right. A little bit of bewilderment and worry. Um, but it's also kind of cool. And you know, it got to a, a degree when it was it was sort of like everything was being like things that were not just white space or clouds were had an outline kind of like in a stained glass window, you know, things, things had a kind of, it was sort of shimmery, but then they would sort of kind of get a little crackly like a stained glass window, you know, kind of outline. Um, but also in movement and and clearly, but also kind of worm-like, like like the shimmering had a, had a definite border to it, Uh um, and it seemed to be increasing, sort of towards the center of the eye. Then Jill got home and I said something about it. And she said, well, how else do you feel? Are you having a stroke or something? And I said, no, I feel fine. I I think it's going to go away. And then after a minute or two, it did. And we went on with our day. Except that I didn't, I felt like I shouldn't drive. So I got her to drive all the way back to Seattle. (laughs) And I slept and I fell asleep. I had a little bit of a headache and I, I just crashed and was was just in very very deep sleep the whole drive and it, in the sense that it felt like I hadn't left Portland I woke up in Seattle um, and then had a, a slight headache that was a little different from other headaches I've had but it was just nothing unendurable and uh, I woke up the next day and was fine but it was uh, a new experience
1: yeah that's a little disturbing I don't want to have I don't want to have
0: migraines um, but uh, I thought the aura was pretty cool. You know, yeah. I did some reading on it. So that those, you can have migraines without it being, without having chronic migraines. In fact, if you only have them once in a while, it's certainly not a problem. It's just something unexplained that happens in the brain. If it's not a bad head, headache, then it's just you know some weird stuff your brain's doing from time to time.
1: It's sort of like poetry.
0: But there's a there's a, a lot of poets have had migraines. Yeah, I mean the the. the The connection between these sort of auras and and that people have and the history of visions and uh is is, is that explains a lot of visions i think Mm -hmm. um this this weird temporary vision and uh, it's not even a i don't know what to call it it was weird it was really weird experience it felt like something had happened
1: do you mean you something know, had happened happened The feeling of
0: something, of, had the feeling that something had happened. in your body. Yeah, without anything really happening. Yeah. yeah. So something to watch, I suppose. I'm sure a Christmas mirror.
1: Yeah, I th- I feel like we'll look back on this conversation years from now and think, ha ha, ha. remember when th- <laughs> things being slightly before wrong before Ed grew his second head? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> before the Eds. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, I, I, I just wonder if, you know, as uh, as we continue to get older, we're going to have more and more peculiar, uh, unexplained, f- uh, physical and mental kind of... Well, surely, surely. Yeah.
0: So that was exciting.
1: Yeah. Not the kind of exciting you
0: necessarily want,
1: but you didn't have to drive home.
0: No, I got I got out of I got out of the long boring drive. Hey,
1: speaking of being home, what's up with the tunnel being dug under your house? Is that happening? Is it going down?
0: Oh yeah, it's 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 on its way here. It's oh my, it's almost January. It's almost here. Yeah, I mean, I've got to find. It's probably some sort of tracker, uh, but the tunnel is it's supposed to be here in January. Uh, coming from the north, It's coming from Northgate. It's already to meet the tunnel. It's already
1: under there. It's under there now. Not under you, but it's it's tunneling. It's tunneling yeah, right
0: now. It's tunneling a few feet a day. Like 10 or 15 feet a day.
1: Holy Moses.
0: Yeah. It's coming. It's coming. Then reportedly we'll know. We'll feel it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So th- there's not going to be... They're confident that just things are not going to... How how far below is it, is what I'm saying? Is it going to, you know...
0: 90 feet. 90 feet.
1: So you're not going to fall like into a sinkhole.
0: Or... Like, like a tall tree-ish depth.
1: Okay. And how
0: might fall into a stable.
1: How wide is the tunnel? How, um, you know, how?
0: I don't know for sure, but I mean the diameter. Probably pretty wide. I mean, and probably enough to fit two, you know, uh, two lines, two light rail lines, side by side. Good um, God, that's big. I don't think I don't think it's going to accommodate buses. I think it's just rail. But I, I, I think it's it's not like a it's not like a dense subway tube. I don't think. I think it's going to be fairly large.
1: So, is it uh, is it Bertha? Is it Bertha, the tunnel boring machine? No, that's our.
0: That's Bertha yeah. is our uh, is is trying her hardest to dig a tunnel uh, downtown along the waterfront. Although we've been back in Seattle for a year now, and Bertha has not been operational for any of that. <laughs> oh no! The tunnel was supposed to be done by now, and she's gotten about twenty feet, thirty feet, and she struck. She struck uh, uh, some some pipes that the project itself had sunk um, early in the testing process, and they just had left it in the ground, and so that's what r- ruined the world's largest and most expensive earth boring machine. Um, and then they got that fixed somewhat, and then it ran into a series of middens,
1: yeah.
0: like old like oyster shells that uh, probably not only where they not anticipating, but probably also indicate archaeological sites. Um, so Bertha is is a, and then so they're they're trying to fix it. So they they dug, dug a vertical shaft to where Bertha is now,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, so that they can repair it from above because they can't retract it, yeah, right, and maybe extract it. Um, and in, in doing so, they they, they sort of de watered the area around to try to you know sucked up some of the water. So as they because it's at water level, yeah. So, as they dug the vertical shaft, as you would, like digging a bridge, they needed for it not to fill up with water. So they, they you know sucked sucked the water out of the ground in the area, so they could could dig down you know 100 feet. And uh, the neighborhood around it, uh, Pioneer Square, the oldest neighborhood in oh, Seattle, shit. sunk several inches. <laughs> and big cracks oh. erupted in the street. People's uh, apartment uh, basements of these you know 120 year old buildings were suddenly filling up with rats oh, that had found avenues into places. Uh, cracks on, you know, office walls, and it's already an area that was dist- that was heavily damaged in the last earthquake. I mean, that earthquake that revealed how how vulnerable the uh, the, the the viaduct they're replacing is. So uh, it's all uh, it's not going well. It's not going well. <laughs> this project that nobody wanted um, is. But it's going to cost several billion dollars.
1: See, so, yeah, it's looking like a, is, uh, about a year ago this this thing happened with the yeah. pipe that they that they left down there. Yeah,
0: it's gone about thirty feet, and the, the the people who are running it, people in charge of this particular adventure, are claiming that the project is seventy percent done. When it it uh, is uh, is uh, which suggests that it will ever be finished. <laughs> <laughs> done, it can be measured. Um, I think it's probably a hundred percent done. And is going to be, um, you know, given up on.
1: Yeah, it says I'm looking at a map here. It says um, Bertha stuck between Jackson and Maine, and the it's there's a, <laughs> the amount of ground on this map. It seems like it has to cover <laughs> is extremely large. Um, but it says that uh, it was going to keep. It was going to start drilling again back in February. It says workers discovered that it was overheating and subsequently that a main bearing seal had been damaged and required replacement. So now it's expected to be out of commission until March. Yeah. But um you're you what you're saying is that may be optimistic. Yeah. So yeah. but but this is actually what I was going to ask, which is see it's shocking to me that you don't you know just 10 it's just uh, 10 11 years before this that they sunk those those shafts the metal shafts that bertha then you know was broken by running into what how can they how can they not know what they have put there anyway mike and what else my point is what else lies ahead is your house is your house is your neighborhood gonna sink a couple of inches
0: Uh, it shouldn't (laughs) it shouldn't oh we're up on a rock yeah i mean that's all down on phil um Phil Lynott from uh, Thin Lizzy. <laughs> uh, we're on we're on rock that's strong enough to sort of uh, to have uh, uh, impeded the uh, the glaciers, so it should be a fairly strong piece of ground. Wait, did
1: you say when you said Phil and then you said Phil Lynott of Thin Lizzy? Um, is that is that actual is that street named after him?
0: No, I was just trying to think of land of. I was on like "Fill in," like landfill or like uh, area that had either been marsh or waterfront that had been built into land. So
1: okay, so the, 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 it is
0: called. And I was just trying to think of the first fill, uh, the first fill in my mental Rolodex was Phil. Why
1: That's a good fill to have um, to have in there. I probably would have.
0: Had he's one of the better Rolf. fills.
1: Yeah, he's a quality fill yeah. for sure. He's not a
0: fill. It's not Phil Roth, though. You know? Yeah, Maybe you're was right. Intimates. You're right. It's not Philip Lannett. probably is on his birth certificate.
1: My bandmate, uh, Lauren, is uh, obsessed with Thin Lizzy. Adores them
0: utterly. I like Thin Lizzy quite a bit. I I like the Jailbreak album. Yeah. Yeah. Jailbreak's a great album. Great album cover. Every song is sort of a different theme, too. There's sort of a cowboy song. There's a, you know... uh, there's, each song tells its own story, and they're sort of uh, spectacular kind of movie genre stories. What did he die of? Heists. He died young. Yeah, I don't know. Irishness.
1: But... That's, a, that's a shame. Yeah, he was 36, pneumonia and heart failure due to septicemia.
0: Yeah, it's probably more of a story to that.
1: Maybe, well, it's it was it was drugs and alcohol, put yeah, him put him go. in a bad uh, bad
0: spot for sure. I tell you, you want a, you want a good time, you want to take a good nap, yeah, or or uh, um, I don't know, uh, get high and listen to a record in a different way. Yeah, is the thing people do with headphones. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> Thanks for introducing me to this uh, <laughs> this this activity.
0: Or. Or, or, or uh, lay about with a friend.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, is listen to uh, j- the Jailbreak album at, uh, what's the speed, 16? Uh, it's supposed to be RPM, at 33. 16 and a half. It's supposed to be at 33. So if you listen to it, 16 is the other setting. that the speed, low setting? I setting, yeah. Half speed. Yeah. And uh, you have you have a, a tr- you've, you've made... A thing that's pretty good into a thing that is is, is sublimely great <laughs> if you remember the how you know the song jailbreak yeah. you remember that you may remember that it begins with a uh, with with a, a big long chord uh-huh. It's like um, that goes on for decades at half speed and has a lot of nuance and, I and gentleness bet. Oh yeah, there it is. I'm listening to it. Of it.
1: That's yeah. a good chord. Yeah, it's a yeah. good chord, and then that snare hit. Here, I'm gonna put the headphones on the mic so people can hear it. I'm probably the only person who didn't remember it right off the bat. Here it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I don't have this record. I have the record that um it's a song of, song of theirs. Hold on a second. Hold on.
0: You may have whiskey in the one that has whiskey in the jar. Maybe. Uh.
1: Hold on. Huh? You know what? Have anything, Lizzie, over there? I think, oh, I, no. I think I got some in a digital form, but I should go down to the record store and, and get this record. I haven't heard the song in ages.
0: You find it's 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 a very it's a rocking album, yeah. But it's a it's it's an it's a well it's a thoughtfully made album. There's some there's some uh, it's not slapdash.
1: No, well the guy was some kind of genius. I mean he was so freaking um, versatile. Mm -hmm. and uh a
0: lot of double guitar on it i think yeah
1: well that's that's the thing that lauren's really into she one of our songs on the new album uh virginia has a couple of solos from lauren and the first one is uh lauren overdubbing um over a solo over herself and then the second solo is at the end you get the Lauren on Lauren one, and then you get you add another Lauren, and then you add a fourth Lauren. So there are nice. four four yeah. solos at the same time, um, you know, at different registers, and uh, it just sounds awesome. And it's and it's totally Thin
0: Lizzy. It's one of my favorite things in rock and roll. <laughs> Often the, the wrong bands do you use it. I mean, it's a frequently <laughs> a frequently used device by Boston.
1: Oh yeah, of it's course, the Boston sound. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, a lot of a lot of bands that I don't want. To sound good, make themselves sound pretty good <laughs> with that. Yeah,
1: um, yeah it's, a,
0: it's a... So, okay, the Okie Panky Party is coming up? Yeah, it is. Um, Wish like hell I could come. I was thinking if it makes some sort of cardboard cutout yeah. or holograph. Hologram? That would so be a that of the might CNN hologram. Stand there. That
1: might be uh, outside of our budget, uh, the, the hologram.
0: It's called electric literature. They've got to have a hologram machine. <laughs> they should. And they've got to have one. Just ask. Ask if you can borrow their hologram machine.
1: Yeah. See, they don't. They don't advertise that they have it. But if you if you know and you ask, you'll get it. Uh, no, actually, I wish you could be there too. And in fact, Rian has bailed as well, um, mostly because Toby. Um, Toby wants to go. He doesn't want to miss school. It's very stressful for him to catch up yeah. on work and we were going to try to do something where my parents would come up and stay with the kids while we we're but then Rean just said just forget it. I'm just going to stay home and write. It's a
0: good time of year for a for a great party. Yeah, so uh, tough time of year to travel. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. A so good time of year Good travel it's gonna be a great party I hope everybody Alice good. is gonna be there gets, Alice and I will c- crunk. keep
1: the frame, flame alive we just found out that uh, we have a budget to give 50 people a, a, that's right a drink ticket for the Panky cocktail that AJ devised and is now on the Panky website and you can make it yourself if you have uh if you have the correct ingredients I should probably um I should probably bring it up. And yeah. say what's in it. Um, he actually there's, devised there's two, two of <laughs> them, the Okie panky and the Hanky Doki, uh, one light, one dark. But the Okie panky is the one that's going to be served at the party, and it contains ice cubes is part of the recipe, uh, gin, white rum, Grand Marnier, lime juice, Angostura bitters, club soda, and lime wedge for garnish, uh, and... What you do with these things and in what proportions is on the website. I'll I'll link to it.
0: It's slimy. It's effervescent. Have you had one yet? So no, I'm just I'm just I'm going through the the, the uh, I'm just imagining what it's like. Yeah. These ingredients.
1: I'm looking forward. It's a to... uh, powerful. I would think. I might bring it. It's gonna. Um, it's gonna pack a punch. I'm going out. It looks like I'm going out tomorrow night with uh, with uh, my bandmate Adam uh, to Argos Inn, which is the, the local sort of experimental cocktail fancy cocktail bar in town. They might make it for you? Uh, and ask if they'll make me one. Yeah. Cause they they're they're usually game for sure. um they're usually game for something weird. So and this is not that weird. They surely have all the stuff that's here. I actually I would if if I were making this at home I'd use Cointreau instead of Grand Marnier. Well I love Cointreau.
0: Is that just because you have Cointreau and have
1: uh no I don't have either in no, no 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 no. i I I don't have either right now. Um I've had them both though in the house at t- at different yeah. times. And um I like Quantro. I like Quantro. Grand Marnier is fine. You
0: know, but you know the frog and peach skit of um uh Dudley Moore and Peter Cook? No. You're familiar with Dudley well, you remember Dudley Moore, surely, from from the film Arthur.
1: I remember him well, but I don't know what frog and peach is.
0: So, nothing more. and Peter Cook had a comedy, were a comedy duo, mm-hmm. and uh, they're fa- fantastic. And one of their bits is uh, uh, an interview about the Frog and Peach restaurant, which uh, involves um, the, all, all of the served as frogs and peaches, <laughs> and uh, sort of trying to explain why it wasn't a success. Uh, uh, you know what, this-, this is one of the dishes. One of the dishes involves involves a, a steaming quattro.
1: <laughs> you, you know, there, it turns out um, I just Googled it, and I have in fact found the found it here uh, as part of the secret policeman's ball, and I'll I'll put it in the notes, but and I'll watch it myself, of course. Um, but there's a lot of restaurants out there called the <laughs> the Frog and Peach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if any serve spicy pony head, but.
0: Uh, ah! Ah! Way, way! I played that. I played that for my. Uh, I, I went out. Went out to Port Townsend for two weeks to do a writer in the schools thing. Yeah. I sort of uh, had a little time to fill, and I played that for the eleventh graders of Port Townsend High School. <laughs> Very Port good. Townsend, and, and they were um, they were perplexed. They <laughs> laughed at the right points, but but I we were talking about it afterwards. And it was clear they didn't quite understand what the setup was. So I, I guess are they at a restaurant? I don't know. I they're <laughs> I, I, saying funny things, but I don't understand why. The
1: horrible thing, the horrible. I think maybe one of the wor- one of the worst things about getting older is that the things that that are funny to us are not necessarily funny to the young, and I I find that really sad because I think I feel like one of the one of the things one of the most important bonding experiences you can have with a person is to find the same thing funny and laugh laugh hysterically yeah. at it and, and and i think situational humor is always you know if you're if you if you're with someone who's not of your generation and you're having a you had to be there moment with them everyone's going to laugh at that because it's based on the personalities of the people around you but but um what is funny is different for um for different uh, for different age people and that's that's a sad thing
0: True. What's funny for us, though, is much funnier than what's funny for people a lot older than us or younger. And that's the real shame: <laughs> is that we have so much to give, <laughs> so much to give.
1: We have uh, we've en- we've embraced. We've been a part of peak funny, and uh, that's right. Everyone else is gonna, you know, everyone else is gonna suffer. Everyone in the past suffered, and everyone in the future is gonna suffer. Um, right. but yeah right. uh, the kids uh, the kids uh, have not enjoyed all as much as as I all the humor that that I have tried to present to them some of it though um they the Mr. Show we've shown them they've enjoyed they really like uh, must mayor Stardang The show is, is great um Monty Python I don't think they're they found as funny as as I did
0: It's good it's good it's good that they didn't Yeah We found it too funny
1: Yeah maybe we did maybe did it's still pretty funny though
0: pretty funny but we we made too big a deal of it. <laughs> <laughs> people can make too big a deal out of good things
1: yeah uh, oh, i'm looking at a cardinal sitting in a bush outside my studio window he's fat
0: it's fat it's snowy fat
1: cardinal uh it, it was we were having snow? a little flurry uh earlier uh, it's been quite warm here, um, but now it's freezing up again, and um, we had a flurry, but it's it's not doesn't doesn't amount to
0: much. Um, two questions before we finish up: All right. uh, what are you gonna, what are you what are you having for for lunch today, um, and uh, what are you doing for New Year's?
1: Uh, I haven't eaten anything yet today, so um, my lunch will probably be my breakfast. I'll probably have a fruit smoothie,
0: a little yogurt. Um, a little yogurt and honey with some crushed <laughs> some some walnut pieces. Just throw a
1: little sauerkraut in there.
0: Sauerkraut for dinner.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's right. You know, I didn't eat breakfast yesterday either. I just had a. Here, I'll, I'll tell you what I did yesterday. Um, Rian made these amazing uh, sausage rolls um, for Boxing Day because she wanted to evoke the the scents and flavors of Great Britain. Um, but what it smelled like was Scotland. The whole house smelled like Scotland. Uh, in Dundee, there was this um, bakery that the four of us would walk by when we went to town. And uh, they would have all these meat pastries in there. And the scent of the meat pastries would come wafting out. And Toby would have to go in and eat them. Um, but uh, And needless to say, these, these were very popular with him. It's just you know some spiced sausage um, inside of some homemade pastry. Um, but man, really good. So she didn't use all the sausage she had bought, so she just th- made a little ball of it and threw it in the freezer. And the next day, uh, we'd also had potatoes the day before, and th- there were some leftovers of those too. So my, so my breakfast that I ate at lunchtime was just reheated potatoes and sausage in a pan and uh, nice. with, a little, uh, with a little crumpet on the side and man, that was satisfying. That was very good.
0: Yeah. I just thought sounds I would let you know. Not sure what a crumpet is, but it sounds good. Yeah.
1: We've gotten a As for New Year's, we've gotten a couple of uh party invitations, but I have to confess that the we've got we've been to the one before and have not enjoyed it. So, um mostly because it's all Cornell people. Um, um. and they and they all I I like I like Cornell. It's like being back at work. Yeah, it kind, still it kind of is, and people talk about work when the when there's a critical mass when the when all the faces you see are from your your building or your really this party is not an English party, but it's it's an it's a humanities party. You know, it's an it's an arts quad party. um I just don't I don't want to I don't want to look at I don't want to look at that. I think I'm going to stay home. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to do anything for New Year's. Maybe I'll maybe with our family will do some sort of ritual movie watching.
0: What's a, what's a good New Year's Eve film? I don't know.
1: Is there a good movie I, with New Year's Eve in it? There's plenty of Christmas movies, but
0: I don't know. Jill went with me to see The Hobbit.
1: Was it any good?
0: The final installment of the Hobbit series. I uh, well it depends on whom you uh, wh- whom you're talking to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jill went uh to humor me because she gets to go see a movie every Tuesday night. I haven't seen a movie in six months. Oh. And and uh, this was playing at the Baghdad Theater, wait, which wait. is McMinnemans Theater in Portland.
1: Why does she get to see a movie? Oh, every I Tuesday saw night. one.
0: Oh. She and uh, she and her friend Heather go out to a movie every Tuesday. Oh. I stay home with oscar and they go out and go see some movie
1: well you you could you could meet. Just, as ha- just as just as just as you please you could meet a movie friend you could have a movie night too
0: oh yo oh, yo oh. do you think so <laughs> I think it's that easy <laughs> anyway yes who would put the child to bed yeah um uh, we went to see The Hobbit: The Battle of the Five Armies at the Baghdad Theater in Portland, yeah. uh, which is a McMinnemans Theater, so you can drink in it. There's a the ah! brewery movie theater, uh, with very good beer, comfortable seats, very nice, and uh, good sound. Uh, not too far from her house, right across from the Hawthorne Powell's. Um And then met my friend Carl Adam Schick for a drink afterwards. It was great. I liked the movie because I like I like the Lord of the Rings books, and I like The Hobbit, and I know that this movie is ridiculous, and <laughs> uh, it, it covers about ten pages of The Hobbit in a fashion that has nothing to do with the tone of The Hobbit, um, but f- fits into a reading of The Hobbit as a, you know, in the Lord of the Rings uh, Story and uh, yeah. as such, I think it's just fine—a fine way to pass two hours and twenty-two minutes. I may do it with if you're a kids, nerd. Yeah. If you're nerding out on all, the, all this stuff yeah. and you like it, then you would like it. yeah If it's the sort of thing you like, and there's nothing to complain about, um, you know, it's a it's a terrible misreading of The Hobbit. It's a <laughs> it's a manipulation of people's emotions and a destruction of a, thought, a very fine story in a way that I think is just okay because it's just a story and it's none of it's real none of it was real to begin with someone will make someone will make a nice pleasant movie of the Hobbit in the tone of the Hobbit someday and I'll go see it and it'll be fine
1: so everything's fine what you're saying is it's an a,
0: everything is fine it's a bo- an
1: abomination Lord of the Rings movie. it's an abomination but it's fine it's perfectly okay
0: perfectly okay i think
1: i'll probably bring my children to it and we'll we'll find it fine
0: that's fine if you know if, if you like it you like it there's some things that, that upset me as far as um in in tolkieniana at the end of it uh, gandalf says to to bilbo i know you have that ring and, and and bilbo says yeah pretty much yeah yeah i have it which ruins the entire premise of of uh the, the the upcoming Lord of the Rings yeah. movies, in which Gandalf does not know that Bilbo has the ring. He suspects that he has something enchanted, but he he does not think that he has <sighs> the ring.
1: That's stupid. That's really yeah. that's really not right.
0: Gandalf spends a lot of the time the sixty years in between the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings trying to figure out where the ring is. Uh. Well there's some other stupid. How,
1: how many of these Hobbit movies are there? Are there two or are there three?
0: There are three.
1: I think I missed the middle one.
0: Yeah, it's fine. And I'm sure that there will be more.
1: Yeah, sure.
0: There will always there's enough there for them to keep making these things and each one of them will make a billion dollars. And they'll all look the same. And they'll be of decreasing relevance to the actual story. Uh, and that's okay. You know
1: what? I'm sensing a, I'm sensing a shift in your attitude towards your dissatisfaction with the world. It's
0: well, um, of the world is shimmering and unreliable. <laughs> 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 Fractalized and hallucinatory.
1: Are you hungry for lunch? Well then let's have Some lunch Do you have a hanker for lunch Well then come to lunch Cause it's time for lunch Box with Ed and John. That's right It's time for lunch Box with Ed and John.